0: Amen. So good to be in church on this nasty, rainy day. Amen. All right. If you have an empty seat beside you, that's somebody who chose to sleep in this morning, and we're going to pray for them in just a minute. Um, We're going to baptize tonight at worship night, and uh, I just want to go ahead and invite you to that. I know it's going to rain all day long, but it's going to be so good tonight to just come together and just worship God. And we're going to baptize some folks, which is always fun, and we're going to serve communion tonight together too. So, um, make make plans to come out. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna meet early. We'll get you out early. I know it's a school night, uh, but this is so important for us to just come together and just worship God. So, we're going to continue our series called Church Signs. If you weren't here last week, uh, we spoke about a particular church sign that said, "Don't make me come down there," uh, signed by God. And um, as we spoke about that last week, um, Craig was making his way through the sanctuary um, last weekend after that message, and we found this, and this is a drawing that somebody did of me um, holding a paddle with holes in it, if you were here. Um, and this uh, the, the caption says, how can I minimize the wind resistance between... Uh, me and your backside and um, this is signed by jh and uh, i want to know if jh is here is jh in the house if you are i I got a gift card for you is that really you did you do that man i love you that's that's uh (laughs) can y'all give it up for our friend over here (laughs) do not leave today without a gift card okay thank you buddy this is what this is what happens when you can't write, when you can't you know take notes and write letters. You have to write cartoons. I was kidding. I don't know if y'all are awake yet today. Um, so we're going to continue this series called Church Signs, and um, over the next few weeks. And uh, basically, if you weren't here last week, let me set it up for you. Um, uh, church signs are uh, are something that, um, especially in in the South, are everywhere. Um, a lot of you asked if we could have had a church sign um, when we built this building, and my answer was no, because I didn't want to change it, um, but we have uh, some church signs here I want to show you from from this week, and uh, we'll, we'll look at this, uh, give Satan an inch and he'll become your ruler, okay, um, and then what is missing from cha-cha, you are, okay, this is very, very popular when we see this a lot uh, in our community, Uh the Kingston Road United Church says free beer. Just kidding. Uh, free Jesus. Uh, obviously, a very edgy church. And for those of you who think we're on the edge, just so you know, I would never put free beer on our sign. Uh, next, blah, 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 just come to church. Uh, so Trinity Baptist ran out of stuff stuff to say. And just for the record, that's not Trinity Baptist here. Um, and then uh, this one is very popular. Uh, honk if you love Jesus, text if you want to meet him. Okay? So... Uh, we see that, we see that, that one too, so. Um, the sign I'm going to focus on this week is God Answers an email. God Answers an Email. Th- this is one that we um, started putting out uh, years and years ago, and uh, we still continue to put it out. You, you'll occasionally see it um, on signs, uh, God Answers an Email or God Still Answers an Email, how many of you remember your very first email address? Okay, just raise your hand, you remember it. Yeah. Um mine mine was an AOL account, and I think Robbie and I shared it. It was Kevin and Robbie at AOL. And the reason we were able to do that is because she spells her name uniquely, and so we didn't have to put our last name. So we had Kevin and Robbie at AOL, and we had a dial-up internet connection. I know some of you don't even know what that means, but it means it made this awful, this God-awful, noise. And, then it, and then it would say, you have mail, okay? And you were like, all right, somebody loves me. And you would go to it, and you'd open it up, and it would be something from your friend. And um, it got to be so well used that uh, eventually you take off the You've Got Mail because you know you're going to have mail. And uh, there are still a lot of people who, I don't know how, miraculously avoided uh, having email addresses. I don't know how in the world people do it, but they have. And I talked to a guy um, the other day who's my age, and he said, I'm on zero social media. He said, I don't have a Twitter account. I don't have Instagram. I don't have Facebook. And I was like, that is amazing. And I said, do you have email? And he said, yeah, but I, I never check it. And I was like, wow, you've probably got some important things laying around in there. Um, there are some of you who are stuck. Like, like you, don't, you don't like technology. And so it moving forward at the pace that it's moving forward bothers you. Um, we had a, a lady one time, this is years and years ago, I, I used to speak from a, a, a MacBook and so I'd bring my MacBook in here and lean it up and I liked it because of, of the angle it was at. And uh, she got so upset about that that she left uh, our church because she, she thought it was a sign of disrespect that I was using technology. Um, in the uh, church and so some people just have a real big problem with technology not just in church but in general they don't like it they don't like uh, the way phones work and and so on um, I don't know if you guys recall this or not but uh, used to you know you had what was called a landline okay and so you actually you picked this phone up and it, it was like a piece of equipment big and it had like a bell on the bottom and on the top and you had to hold it and then you put it on your chin and it had a cord. And you'd pull the cord into a bathroom and shut the door. That was that was private calls. And if you had money, you had a wireless phone, which was amazing. And my, my wife grew up with what was called a party line. Anybody remember a party line? Yeah, we still got some living people with party lines. And a party line, the premise was basically this. You'd pick it up and you'd share the line with multiple homes. Okay, how weird is that? And so sometimes you'd have to pick that phone up... And there would be people talking. And you'd say, hey, can you guys get off? Because I need to use the phone to, to call my mom. There's been an emergency. Yeah, sure, give us two minutes, we'll get off. And you check it, and if there was a dial tone, then you you could use it. But it was open line. It was just so so strange and bizarre to think in our lifetime that we had we had such things. But when we're talking about knee-mail, we're obviously talking about prayer. And when it comes to prayer, there are some misconceptions that I want to address this morning. Prayer is obviously a very big deal to who we are as followers of Christ, as who we are as individuals who are seeking answers and resolve on this big, long, and sometimes arduous journey that, that we are, are on. Growing up, I, I remember that answering the doorbell was a lot of fun. Like, th- this was, a, a, again, before email, this is before texting, this is before social media. And so I was born in 73, so I'm 45 years old. And so um, you saw each other more, and people would do this weird thing. They would drop by your house. And so people would come and just visit you. And so the doorbell would ring, and my sister and I would just, I mean, we'd jump over the couch and jump over the chair, trying to get to the door to see who it is. Oh, it's Aunt So and so. She came by. And that she might come in and stay 30 minutes, she might come in and stay three hours. And that's a completely different culture than it is now. Because now when our doorbell rings, we're like, kids, get down. And like, everybody's like, don't say a word. Shush. We're like, be very still. And then the mom is like, did one of you invite somebody over? You didn't tell us. And then the doorbell's, Bing, 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 and eventually it kind of stops. And so one person gets enough courage to kind of tiptoe across the house and kind of peek, and you see who it is, and you're like, "Thank God we didn't answer." It was my 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 mom, and and so you just, you know, it goes on. And 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 sometimes we feel this way when it comes to prayer life. We feel like we are we're ringing the doorbell, ringing the doorbell, ringing the doorbell, and that God is somehow. Avoiding us, that God knows it's us. He sees us, uh, you know, and and He's trying His best not to be responsive toward us. And so, I want to put us all on a level playing field this morning. I'm going to ask you a question, and if if you're comfortable, I want you to raise your hand. I don't want to pressure you, so if you don't want to play along, don't. But I just I, I want you to raise your hand if if you can be honest about this. How many of you? are praying about something really important right now, but your prayer has not been answered. Anybody? Okay. Now, I, I, I want to ask, ask you this. How many of you have been praying for something for longer than six months? Longer than one year? Longer than five years? Okay, yeah. There are a lot of things. Each one of these hands lifted in this room this morning means something very significant. To the person whose hand was raised, it's very important. And maybe to us, we, we, we might hear their, their particular story or request and look at it and go, well, that's not as important to me. But to them, it's very, very important. And some are praying six months, a year, five years, and still feel like God is not answering an email. That it's just not, not happening. But I want to encourage you, and I know I say this frequently, but the, the scripture is full of people who experience this type of thing. And I think my motivation in always trying to communicate this to you is because I want you to know that we're not by ourselves. Meaning this, that this is not something specific to our culture or to our generation. Or to any other societal variable, but this is this is, is something that comes with humanity. It's always been a feeling of ours. Okay, so to to make a point here, I want I want us to first go to Job chapter thirty, and what Job is you you guys know this story, the ultimate test of faith, the ultimate test of trust, and Job is experiencing. A life of trial right now. And so in verse 20 in the NIV, he he makes this statement. I cry out to you, God, but you do not answer. I cry out to you, but you do not, not answer. And to graduate this further, if you just go one book over to the book of Psalms, it's full of David pouring his heart out, Over circumstances that he has gone through. And one thing we clearly see in David's life. Is he had extreme highs and extreme lows. And when he was on a high. It was all about praise God. His mercy endures forever. And let's lift our hands in the sanctuary. And all of this great high praise. And when he was low. It was God do not take your spirit from me. What's, What's going on? And so. Again, I I, want to bring these two characters into our church this morning so that we get it that we're not by ourselves. And this feeling of disconnect has happened for thousands and thousands and thousands of years across millions and millions and millions of people trying to make a, a connection with God. For some of you right now, you are praying for miraculous healing. And miracle, historically, is not even on your theological grid. Like you were raised in such a way that you have viewed Scripture as that part is over. Like miracles are not for us right now. But yet you find yourself in a circumstance where you need one. So you're putting yourself out on this limb of faith... Praying for a miracle and you don't even know if you believe in one. It's like the Lord I believe but help my unbelief story that we find in the Gospels. For some in here you're praying for someone to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's a family member, a parent, a grandparent, a close friend, a colleague, a child. And you're praying God just reveal yourself to them. Let them really get... That this has eternal value. That you really love them and you're praying and you constantly find their name coming up in, in your spirit. For some of you, you're praying for a marriage that is full of tension and anxiety. And you're doing that because you believe that your marriage could be over. So you're praying, God help us. Save our marriage. Because one or both of us has one foot in and one foot out. So you're, you're praying, and maybe that's when you raised your hand a while ago. That was, that, that was what that, that was for. For some of you, you're, you're just praying for a friend. And you would never admit that in this setting because it just makes you feel more isolated. To go, I really just want one person that I can be genuine with, that I can share life with, that I can talk about being a parent with, that I can talk about uh, having a a, 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 talk about marriage, that I can talk about my life, that I can talk about my career and my journey of faith with. I just want a friend. And so all of our hands lifted in this place represent waves and threads of very deep seated things in our faith. We're talking to God about it. And I want to give you some misconceptions about unanswered prayer because we've come up with these Christian cliches a lot of times and we'll try to encourage each other with them. Like we'll say, hey, listen, when God closes one door, he's going to open the other one. But let me play the devil's advocate for just a second. What happens when there's not another door? And if you've been living... For Christ, for any length of time, you get this. That there are moments and seasons when all you can do is just be still and know He's God. It's like there's nowhere for you to go. There's not another option. And suddenly, there's not only another door. There's not even a window that you can climb through. What happens then? What happens when all of our doors seem to become just a solid wall? What happens then? Okay. Okay. So I want to give you just a couple of misconceptions, and I'm going to hop into the meat about today. The first one is this. This is what what, what we tell ourselves a lot. You don't have enough faith. And we make this a faith issue, okay? You don't have enough faith. And so we know that faith is a huge part of prayer, but to feel that every time our prayers go unanswered is because we're not believing hard enough is unfair. It's unfair to us. To think that that we have to talk to God and then that God's response back to us is weighted down on our shoulders. And again, this, this part, hear me, I get it could be a whole series because faith is very important. Jesus taught about faith. The apostles taught about faith and believing in Him. However, To put yourself in a place where you feel solely responsible for God's response to you is bad theology. Right? I'm going to give you a very personal example of my life. Okay? And I'm not trying to create an awkward moment. I'm trying to generate truth. Okay? Here, Here it is. We, meaning Robbie and I, we prayed for our child to live. And she did not. We prayed for my mother to be cured of cancer, and she was not, and she died. We've now prayed for 12 years for my sister to be cured of cancer, and she is not. She's possibly in one of the worst stages that she's ever been in. And this is very real because we love God. We believe in God. We pray to God. We're doing what we believe Scripture tells us to do, and yet when you stand back, it seems there's no door. There's no option. And we're not alone in that. If we peeled the layers back this morning, this would be, I would say, almost every person's reality in this room in some way, shape, or form. And you feel like God isn't responding to you. But you got to be careful, hear me, that you don't fall into a mindset that this is a faith issue. If I could say one thing, one thing about this that I want you to walk away with, okay? So if you're sleepy at all, wake yourself out of slumber and hear this one part. This is a trust issue, not a faith issue. This is about trust. Hear me, this is a very big statement that I, I want you to get. Can we trust God, can we trust God with every outcome and still follow Him? Can we do that? Can we, because th- this is not about faith. This is not about me, me, me churning up be- belief or being in a service where, oh, I got goosebumps. I better ask God for something. Or, oh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling tingly in my spine. I need to ask God right now while I'm, while I'm, while I'm hyped up. No, this is not a faith issue. This is not about working up belief. It's about trust. Because the Bible is full of people who started a journey with Jesus, did not like certain outcomes, and left. So can we be on this journey and pray and ask and believe and not get the answer we want and still trust Him? Can we do that? That's a big old question. But that's really what separates all of us in this room. Because you don't have much wiggle room here. Because what your response is either going to be, Yes, I can, and I am shaping my faith to have more trust in who He is and His love for my life. Or really, truthfully, you got to walk off. I just don't find any gray area in this in Scripture. So we're either going to put all of our eggs in one basket, I'm going to trust you, or we're going to leave the faith. And we've seen people do it. We know people who have done it. Because it's so hard. Because prayer is not a buzzword. It's not a cliche. It's very real to the believer. The second big misconception is you aren't worthy. So we feel we aren't spiritual enough. We feel we aren't close enough. We feel that there are other people that God loves more than us. Because we look at their life and we say, wow, they've got it all together. And look at me, I'm such a mess. Then then it gets very personal. We say things like, "Maybe, maybe I'm in sin. Maybe... Maybe God is so displeased with me that he would shut his ear to me. And then we internalize it, and it comes out in, in this form. What's wrong with me? And what's wrong with me can stay with you for months and months and months. What's wrong with me can stay with you for decades. And you live your life out, and you're asking yourself, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? I'm servant. I'm giving, I'm coming, and suddenly you're back in last week's message that you're trying to earn God's love and you can't do it. There's not a checklist long enough for you. And so you're you're trying and you're trying and you're trying you're trying to achieve and perform and, and produce and be efficient. And all these doing synonyms that come up to our faith instead of just going, I'm going to trust you. But we say, I'm not worthy, okay? Listen, so several of our, of our pastors put out a Facebook poll last week and they asked this question. They said, how do you feel when prayers go un- unanswered? And here are some of the responses that came back on that. Anxious, unheard, impatient, confused, forgotten. I like this one. Exhausted. When God doesn't answer my prayer, it makes me tired. Okay, Broken, curious, disappointed, uneasy, and again, I'm referencing last week, punished. When God doesn't respond to me, I feel like He's mad. Like this is His way of saying, I'm getting back at you. you. You did something, I don't like it. I'm not going to respond to you. Like, like God is dealing with us like, through the emotions of a sixth grade girl. I don't like you. You hurt my feelings. You didn't do something. I'm out and you're stuck. And we think that that's, that's God. None of these responses lead to a healthy thought life, and these feelings lead to shame, and they demotivate us to believe that God loves us. Now, luckily, the Bible talks about unanswered prayer, and I want to take us there quickly. Luke chapter 11, verse 5. I'm going to read from the NLT this morning. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread which is really weird. That's a car load at midnight, three full loaves of bread. Somebody needs to watch the Dr. Oz show, right? You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit. I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship. If you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your persistence. So I tell you, keep on asking and you, you will receive. Keep on seeking, you will find. Keep on knocking, the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. Everyone who knocks, the door will, will be open. Now let me let me teach here really quick, okay? This is a theme we often see through Scripture. Knocking, asking, seeking. Knocking, asking, seeking. And what he wants us to get here is persistence. But I want to be very, very clear. There are two things that this is not not talking about. You do not see yourself, hear me, do not see yourself as as a pauper, as a beggar, God has never dealt with his people as you come to me with your head down and your cup up, and if you're lucky, I'll put something in there. We do not have the the the, the stance or the position of coming to God and saying, oh, please, 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 I, please, God, if you just knew what my life was like, if you just knew what I was going through, if you just knew, if you fully understood me, if, and, and you shake your cup just hoping that something falls into it, okay, no. The second big thing is you don't go to God like a kid at Walmart not getting the toy that he's asked for. Oh, come on, please, 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 Jesus, I promise, I promise, I can't do it. And some of you go to God this way, and you kick, and you scream, and you writhe. I can't have it. He said, no, 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 persistence. Come to me, ask of me, knock on it, I want you to come near to me. And I want you to keep coming closer and keep coming closer and keep coming closer. There's so much there there to say. But Hebrews does tell us that we can come boldly to him. And that boldness comes from the fact that I know I'm a son. That I know I'm a daughter. And that I come to my father and I ask of him. My daughter is 12. She has no problem asking of me. She comes to me, Dad, can I have this? Dad, what do you think about this? Dad, 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 dad. Okay, It's boldness. It's out of of love. It's out of relationship. And this is the way the Father wants us to come to him. Lord, I've got something I want to talk to you about. It's boldness. It's as, as a son. And he doesn't always answer the way we want him to. If you've been following Jesus for any time period, you know that the answer comes And sometimes it's not what we want at all. And we do the hard things, man. We we, we go to funerals and we scratch our head. I prayed. I believed. We laid our hands on them. And they still died. It still didn't work. I still didn't get the job. I still didn't get the promotion. I'm still not getting ahead. And we wonder, what is going on? But sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes the answer is yes, but not now. And sometimes the answer is yes, but not like that. And sometimes the answer is no. And sometimes we got to do what Garth Brooks did. we got to thank God for the unanswered prayer, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but do you think about those people that you used to want to marry? And then you go on Facebook and you see what they look like 20 years down the road. You're like, thank God, for you. Un- thank you! Thank you! Thank God for unanswered prayer. Sometimes God answers us, and we don't like the answer, so we're like, um, "Father, can you, can you put Jesus on? I, I need a second opinion. Like, can you? We try to split the Trinity up. Let me talk to the Father. Let me talk to the Son now. What's the Holy Spirit saying? Let me, let me talk to Him too. But let me give you just a few benefits of un, unanswered prayer. Okay. Unanswered prayer will deepen our connection with God because prayer is less, hear me, about something we want and more about someone, capital S, that we need. It's less about what I want and it's more about someone we need. Prayer gives us the opportunity to stay close to God because we trust in Him, not because He's a genie in a bottle. John 15, 5, the NLT says, I am the vine, you are the branch. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Prayer gives us the connection with God. It deepens it. Because when you don't get the answer you want, again, you're either going to walk or you're going to get deeper in with trust. That's it. You're either going to say, I don't like the answer, see you later, or you're going to be forced to go, I trust you. I don't like the way this feels, I don't, this is not what I wanted, but I'm staying with you because I trust you. And because of that, your connection deepens. The second big thing is unanswered prayer purifies our motive. Unanswered prayer makes us question our motives. James chapter 4, I love James. If you are starting to read your Bible and you haven't in a while, start with James. James. He's, he's strong. It's, it's, he's got a lot of tweetable stuff in there. I mean, he, is, he is a very strong communicator. And this is what he says in, in verse 2 and 3. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. The King James Version says you ask Amiss. And it goes on, that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. I mean, James is clear. He's saying, listen, you're asking, but you're not getting because you're asking for your sake, for your pleasure, and it has nothing to do with the Father's will. In my language, he's saying this. You're trying to make God an ATM machine, a genie in a bottle, a Santa Claus. You come up, you bring a list, you hope you get some of it. You walk off when you're done. You come back, you have a list. You, you're hoping for to this constant deposit. And James is saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! I, I think you got prayer wrong." But listen, this is how we do it. We come to God. God, listen. This is what I want. I, I, I really want a new home and I want I want the new pr- pr- promotion and I want the raise that comes with it and I want a strong 401. I want it to be diverse by the time I get to a specific age. This is what I want. And I want to be healthy and I want to look good and I I just want to feel good and I want to have friends and I, I want, I want, I want. And he's saying, listen, don't, don't be surprised when you don't get any of that because you're asking amiss for your own pleasure. He's saying prayer is is about us aligning our will to the will of the Father. And he's saying these things have to come together, and, and, and they have to be, be, be merged. Okay, So you got to have, have a pure motive. Okay, And we use filters often, right? A water filter, most of you have water filters. It takes out some impurities from our water. Not all of it, but, but a lot of it. Coffee filter keeps the grinds out of it. Air filter keeps down the dust and allergens in our home. Some of you use a camera filter because you're fat like me and you got to trim your body up before you put it on social media. I want to give you three filters quickly for prayer, okay? I'm going to give these fast because I'm already out of time, but I'm going to give these to you quickly. Let me give you two filters for prayer. The first one is this. When we pray, we have to pray. If James' teaching is accurate, and it is, we have to filter our prayer according to the will of God. So we do God's will. Matthew 6 and 10, the disciples have asked, how should we? We pray. Jesus gives them an answer, and part of that answer is this. Your kingdom come, your will be done your 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 kingdom coming your will will be done god what do you have for my life that's what i want i want to get in the middle of your will watchman knee really nailed nailed this and he came up with this quote he said god's purpose for us is to be so filled with his will that we forget our own i'm so into praying out god's will in my life that i've even forgotten about what i want this is about God's will. And some of you right now, right now as I'm talking, you're struggling with this because you're thinking, how fun is that? I mean, i, I got to go through this life, and I'm never going to ask for, for this or, or for that. No, I'm asking you to pray the will of God and let the will of God bless your life. So line yourselves up with, with, the, with the will of God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. He says this, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask for anything, okay, now a lot of us, we stop here and we encourage each other and we totally twist this verse. We say, man, you just believe. The Bible says if you ask for anything, it's going to be yours, it's going to be, but what we forget is how this verse really goes. He says this, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then whatever we ask, we know that we have because, because we've asked of him. But it's got to be according to his will. So pray God's will over your life as a filter. God, I want what you want for my marriage. I want what you want for my friendship. I want you, what you want for my, my, my children. I want what you want for this business. I want you to be glorified in everything that I do. If I'm an educator, if I'm a doctor, if I'm an an attorney, if I'm a business owner, whatever it is that I do, I want to be blessed because your will is in my life and I succumb to it fully. Okay. The second big thing, God's timing. This is another one I wish I could do an entire message on and maybe sometime I will. We must pray with acknowledgement of God's timing. Okay, let's be really real. This is not me trying to pacify you. This is not me trying to pat you on the back and encourage you and say, hey, it's going to be okay. It's in God's timing. Okay, no. I'm telling you, this is a real principle. Because some people get married before it's time. Some people quit a job. Before it's time. Some people get mad and quit something in their life before it's time. Some of you have given up on something in your life that God actually wants to resurrect. But you gave up on it before it was time. Some people move and relocate and do things before it's time. So there's a big balance between your dreams and your passion and your your calling and God's timing. Okay, Perfect example of this, so you know that I'm not getting off into philosophy, is David. David was anointed to be the next king of Israel. They did not lift him up on their shoulders and take him to the palace. No, you know where he went? Back to the sheep. He was called to be the next king, anointed to be so, by the prophet. Went right back to keeping sheep. Timing. Timing. Watch this. David in Psalm 27, he's obviously learning some life lessons. In verse 14, this is what he pins. Wait patiently for the Lord. I don't think that's coming just out of inspiration. I think that's coming out of life experience. He is saying, wait patiently for the for the Lord and then he goes on he says, be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. This may be the word right here that some of, of, of you needed this morning right now Wait patiently for the Lord. be brave, be courageous, wait patiently for the Lord and you're praying and you're examining and you're beating yourself over the head with a hammer. why can't I believe enough? why can't I have enough faith why can't why can't this why why why? Be patient for the Lord. Be patient for the Lord. We don't like to wait. We wait at the doctor. We wait in line at Walmart. We wait in traffic. Some of you are just in God's waiting room. You're you're waiting. Every door has become a wall and you have to exercise, not faith, trust. Exercise trust. And know that He loves you. And He has your best interest in His heart. Okay, let me end with this verse. I'm going to close. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. This is great. He has made everything. Everybody say the word everything. Say, say it again louder. Everything. Everything. He has made everything Beautiful in its time that really when we look at, at our lives and we're thinking, man, this is a sweet spot. And my life feels full right now. You know what's happened? You're right in the middle of the will and the timing of God. And it feels right. Everything's clicking, everything's smooth and you have rested in knowing that God loves you that getting him to respond to you in this way or that or, or that is not your responsibility and we could almost preach that it's prideful to think so so we have to rest not in our own faith Our faith wanes, it comes, it goes, seasons push it, circumstances deplete it. But my trust in God, man, it's a rock. And regardless of the outcome, I will follow you. Okay? This could jumpstart some of you back to praying today. Because it's not about your faith. It's about you coming to a place of trust and rest in the Lord. Not having all of the the answers. How have I buried a child and buried a mom and have a sister with terminal cancer? How do I look at things in life? Man, this is a a journey for me. But one thing I'm learning is that I have to be okay with ambiguity. i got to be okay with not having all the answers. I gotta be okay with it, not all making sense, and just rest and knowing I'm loved, and I trust Him, and that's that's enough. That's enough. Okay. I want you to bow your heads with me today, and I want us to pray. And He said, "Kevin, man, I'm here today."